Because absolutely nobody demanded it, I present to you episode two of Major X Lapsed. Boy, after that first episode, I, I thought that episode was actually going to take down this channel. I was uh, not prepared for the almost aggressive indifference to this concept and this title. Uh, <laughs> I was expecting. I was expecting something. I just wasn't expecting nothing. But here we are, and we're going to continue along. Uh, this is Major X number two, had a June 2019 cover date, written by Rob Liefeld with pencils by Brent Peoples. Inks Scott Hanna, colors Romulo Fajardo Jr., letters VCs Joe Sabino, edits Bisa White Sabolski, cover price $3.99, went on sale April 17th of 2019. So we open in the existence, described as a mutant Shangri-La. Which, you know, is the place that we saw crumbled to bits last issue. This is a flashback to something called the Celebration of the Fifth Crossing. Whether this means, like, fifth anniversary or something altogether different, I haven't the foggiest idea. Now, the Essential, who was that dude who went missing last issue, he's there with McCoy and Major X, and they're stood on a cliffside overlooking Paradise. While a kind of flowery narration talks about what a swell place this is. The Essential tells a story of how this place came to be, and, um... I've read these next several pages probably a half dozen times, and I'm still not entirely sure how to explain what happens here. Uh, I've... This is tough. Uh, I'm trying to be as careful as possible here to describe this as best I can, and I'm having trouble. I mean, I've synopsized things like Cherry Pop-Tart and Street Poet Ray, so this is, a, this is a tough task here. So what we see is a time of turmoil on some Earth or another. We see a pair of Sentinels duking it out right next to, I'm assuming, the Golden Gate Bridge, and uh, we've got Atlanteans all over the place. Then Ocean Master shows up, only he's going by the name Catalyst here. He's either called Catalyst or he's just being described as the Catalyst for what's about to happen. It really doesn't matter. The Essential appeared and opened a portal for these Atlanteans to escape through. And so they did. Perhaps they were the fifth group to do so. Ocean Master vows to destroy the Atlanteans' world, and uh, he doesn't seem all that picky about uh, which world that is. The Essential warns that if all O.M. and he cross paths again, his face will be the last one that the bad guy ever sees. So, Atlanteans have just entered the existence, and everything's hunky-dory, right? Societies begin to flourish, Atlanteans, quote, procure the waters of the existence, which I don't think that's the right word to use here, but what do I know? 
Uh, they even joined a uh, not-so-quiet council. And it's here that we meet Nomar and Laura, who I suppose are Atlantean royalty of some sort. Uh, they asked that they get an audience with the council, which I could have sworn we already confirmed was going to happen like two pages ago. And so, we jump to later, and the council is meeting. Nomar kvetches that their kingdom suffers and that his people are dying, which begs the question, didn't they just get there? I don't know. Nomar wants answers from the Accential about what he's going to do to help his people. The Accential comments that his powers have grown weak and he is fading. Now, Nomar doesn't want to hear none of that, and so he slams his fist on the table and starts getting lippy. Now, this causes Major X to react by drawing his gun and pointing it right at the head of the Atlantean a-hole. Well, like I always say, we let the punishment fit the crime. Now, the Accential stands up between the Major and Namor, no, Namor, no, the other one, Nomar, to settle everyone's tea kettles a bit. He has a plan. We're just not going to find out what that plan is this issue. And you know what? I'm okay with that because uh, this first half was pretty dull and confusing. We shift scenes from here to the then-present, or rather the here and now. We're back at Xavier's where the Major and McCoy are chatting up Cable and Wolverine. Now, I think I forgot to mention it last episode, but Major X is a black man. And I also neglected to mention that, despite not appearing in Major X number one, Storm is featured on the cover. So, I'm going to put on my detective hat here. We're going to go out on a limb and guess that it'll eventually be revealed that Storm is the mage's mother. Maybe? Maybe not. We'll put that. We'll put a pin in that for now. Anywho, we find out that the ridiculous first half of this issue was being told by Major X, who reveals that just three days after that meeting with Nomar, the essential went missing and the existence began to crumble. We get a refresher that McCoy and the Major managed to motherbike their way into a rift to escape the decimation. Major X suggests that he arrived in the 616 a little bit too early, despite saying he arrived just in the nick of time last issue. Whatever the case, he needs to go to the future. Cable does the whole time slide thing, which I don't think actually moves them through time, but it uh, delivers them to Cable's personal armory. Wolverine, who, if you'll recall, vanished at the end of last issue, uh, he's here and he really wants some answers. First, he wants confirmation that this is Cable's kid. Cable gives the big ol' thumbs up, but will not elaborate, lest he accidentally change the future, or the past, or another dimension, or whatever. From here, Cable and Major X head to Greymalkin. Before leaving, Nate tells Wolverine, should anything happen to him, that he should take over running X-Force. So, we next arrive at Greymalkin, which is Cable's secret base on the ocean floor? I don't remember that being the case, but again, what do I know? Cable and the Major tromp on through while the Professor AI chats them up. The Professor is able to recognize Major X as Alexander Nathan Summers. Suddenly, they're attacked by an Atlantean giant called Sharkskin, who greets our heroes by yelling, Surf's up. Uh, it's probably worth noting that Sharkskin is part of a trio of Atlantean mutants. <laughs> Together, they're called Surf. They appeared in Atlantis Attacks back in a New Mutants annual. Sharkskin here, he's here to kill the Traveler, though, for whatever reason, he takes out Cable first. Major X rushes over to pick up Cable's dropped rifle, and with it, he blasts the bejesus out of the would-be assassin. 
The professor here suggests that uh, that Major X turn the gun up to its highest possible setting. Okay. Cable gets back up, and after asking the professor to calibrate his arm, which I don't understand, he punches Sharkskin square in the mush. Old SS barely even blinks, though he does bleed a bit from his mouth. He informs our heroes that Grey Malkin's gonna explode and that the existence is finished, so we got a really bad day ahead of us. Cable asks how he figures that. Then another member of Surf shows up, and this time it's Eel, who has like stretchy Mr. Fantastic y powers. Eel states that they serve the royal family while he wraps Cable up, and our man is all, hey Major, a little help over here, to which the Major jams a shock stick into Eel. Then, just as it looks as though everything's going to be A-OK, Sharkskin begins to laugh. And there's also a strange beeping. Then, our third and final member of Surf shows up, and this is Undertow, who looks a whole heck of a lot like the Atlanteans from The Existence. The professor announces that Undertow is a member of the Atlantean Royal Guard, which I'm not sure is all that much different from, you know, Eel and Sharkskin serving the royal family, but whatever. From here, Cable lunges at a control panel and, I'm assuming, hits a self-destruct button or something. He then tackles Major X to the ground as the whole place goes up in a blaze of... Well, something or another. That's where we leave it. The place goes boom. We don't know what's next. So let's talk about this. Um, Oh boy, you guys. uh, I had a lot of fun with the first issue. Uh, maybe it's because it wasn't trying so hard to tell a deep and meaningful story. Unfortunately, this kind of was, and boy, does it suffer for it. And as a result, so do we. This has, like, a weird dichotomy here that we're facing, where we're both getting, like, way too much exposition, and we're also not getting nearly enough. Uh, these details are coming at us in very uneven waves to the point where I'm not even sure what we're supposed to know just yet. I mean, this is part and parcel 90s comics, right? I mean, back in the 90s, things like mysteries, they, they were they were almost a con- like a currency in mutant hero comics, right? We always had hints being dropped. We had these odd knowing glances from brand new characters who somehow knew each other. We had backstories that were yet to be like fully mined and fleshed out. And on one hand, I feel like this story is attempting to evoke that sort of feeling. It's just not doing that great a job of it. Now, perhaps that's due to the fact that I'm not expecting much of a resolution here. Or maybe it's just not being done as well as it used to. I mean... Let's go back to the beginning of this issue. Uh, do we know or care who this Catalyst character is? Does it matter? Or is he simply just a Catalyst that drove this group of Atlanteans into the existence? Will we ever see him again? What more could he even do? Hell, what was he doing in the first place? We just don't know. All we have is some half-hearted narration about how their world was at war. Hell, aren't most worlds in the Marvel Universe It's in some sort of war? What makes this time and place so different from any other? Also, the timetable table we're given here once the Atlanteans make the existence their home is sort of all over the place. Have, have they been here long? Do they have seats at the Council or not? Do they have their own Council? Do they have their own Kingdom of Atlantis in the existence? If so, 
how and why is that kingdom falling apart? Does it even matter? Or is it just there to foment a conflict between Nomar and the Major? And be- before we even think more about that, I gotta, I gotta make uh, something clear here. Atlanteans are up there with, like, Inhumans on the list of characters I really couldn't give a rat's ass about. So maybe I'm biased, or anti-biased, or maybe I'm just programmed to glaze over every time I see them on panel. Um, the here and now, the, that, that portion of the issue, the after-the-staples part, um... I suppose it's damning with faint praise to suggest it was the strongest part of this issue. Uh... Pulling some mutant Atlanteans from Atlantis attacks was, I guess, a nice use of history. But honestly, I I don't care about them. I really don't. Uh, maybe, you know, after the first issue, which I, I did enjoy. I really thought that was a lot of fun. Um, it didn't... It was what it was, right? That's kind of how I how I put it last time. I, I said it, it wasn't pretending to be what it wasn't. And it was only what it was, right? And... Uh, Maybe it's because of that that I'm expecting to see some of the more, I don't know, classic Liefeld villains. You know, maybe the Mutant Liberation Front. Maybe Strife. Hell, even like Thumbelina or Fantasia, right? But Atlanteans? Surf? Ugh, come on. Really a big letdown from uh, from one issue to the next. Uh, should we talk about Dialogue. I suppose we ought to. Um, it wasn't great. We get a lot of generic tough guy talk, which, let me be plain here, that isn't always a bad thing. In fact, sometimes it's exactly what the doctor wrote it, you know. Uh, here, though, it kind of falls flat. And if you actually stop and read this, like, <laughs> say say some of it out loud. You know, say you know, grab any line from Cable and say it out loud here. And I'd almost go as far as to suggest that this sort of comes across as Rob lampooning himself. I mean, we've got this weird and almost purple, in a way, attempt at epic storytelling, contrasted with bad guys who introduce themselves by shouting, Surf's up! We've got worlds crumbling. We've got people dying. And we get Surf's up. Oh, boy. The art here comes from Brent Peoples, who I'm not totally familiar with. Um, it seems here that he's doing his best Rob Liefeld impersonation, which I'm not really feeling. Um, I did a search for Brent Peoples online, and I saw a lot of his other work, and I tell you what, he is quite the artist. He's got some really beautiful work. Um, sadly, that suffers here as he attempts to ape that you know Liefeld style. He... I mean, it comes across as a lesser Liefeld where I'd rather see Rob on these pencils. Now, Rob's style might be divisive, but perhaps something we can all agree on, and how I do hate proceeding any point I'm trying to make with, I think we can all agree on dot dot dot, but I think we can all agree that Rob does his style better than anyone else. I mean, if someone tries to do Rob, it doesn't come off looking nearly as charming or as legit as when Rob does it. Overall, I had a far less good time with this second issue. Uh, the worm kind of turns here. Uh, rather than just being like a like a retro romp straight out of 1991, 
We're getting this like strange set dressing of Atlantean pseudo-political intrigue and a whole lot of interchangeable characters just dumped into our laps. Um, got my fingers crossed that you know, maybe things go back to taking themselves a little less seriously in the upcoming installments. Because otherwise, there's going to be a tough handful of issues to, uh, to read through. Fingers crossed we get some more fun from here on in. But uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about Major X number two. Um, I almost feel silly for being so positive on the first issue. Uh, this issue was quite the letdown. Quite the letdown. It took itself a little too seriously and suffered for it. But I welcome anybody's thoughts, if anybody's out there. Uh, <laughs> this is this is a uh, unexpectedly uh, unpopular program, or maybe it should be expected, but uh, whatever the case, it's if you're out there listening, I would love to hear your thoughts on Major X number two. You can reach out to me a number of ways. Uh, the easiest is probably Ace Comics on Twitter or WeirdComicsHistory at gmail.com. You can find show notes and you can even leave a comment over at Chris'sOnInfiniteEarths.com. Uh, there's a Facebook group, 90s X-Men, and you can find the audio archives at ChrisAndReggie.Podbean.com. But uh, I think that's all I got today. It's going to be a pretty short episode for a uh, pretty shallow book. So uh, I'll just thank everyone for hanging out and sharing your time with me today. And uh, let you know that, as always, I will talk to you again real soon. See ya. Searching